Hello and welcome to VChat, episode number 26. Um, this is David Davis from VMWareVideos.com and TrainSignal. And I'm Simon Seagrave from TechCave.co.uk. And I'm Eric Siebert from vSphereLand.com. Well, thanks for joining me today, guys, on the uh, latest VChat here. We have a list of uh, some uh, cool topics, some timely topics to talk about. Um, Eric, how you doing? Good, yeah. I think it's been a been a while since we had the last one, and that been staying busy, and that lots of work, lots of VMware stuff. You know, it's never a dull moment when you're working with VMware technology, and um, always something to do. Simon, yeah, um, same sort of thing. Yeah, really busy at the moment. So I've got EMC World coming up shortly. So the last six weeks to two months, uh, just been fully immersed in preparing the uh, the hands-on labs for that. So. Uh, yeah, not, not doing a heck of a lot else apart from living, breathing labs, uh, all, all, all vSphere-based. So it's, it's been good fun. Uh, it's very busy. But, uh, yeah, that'll all be over soon and uh, get a bit of my own time back into my own, uh, into my own labs here again. So uh, I look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I last saw you at Charlotte about a month ago um, at the regional user group, and uh, there you were manning the EMC labs. And... Um, Actually, it was Vero Madness, wasn't it? It wasn't uh, a user group. It was Vero yeah. Madness. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that was an awesome show. I'd never been to Vero Madness before. Um, you know, lots of experts showed up, lots of enthusiastic people. They had a, a flash mob, an unexpected flash mob during the <laughs> keynote, nice. uh, which was, yeah, very strange, uh, but interesting. And that, uh, so you were manning the labs there. Was that planned um, or just what, uh, unexpected to the crowd? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it was planned, okay. but you know, just unexpected to the crowd. Uh, Jason Nash swears he he didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, you yeah, were no, manning the EMC labs. Of, yeah, yeah, what it was, was a like? good event actually. It's the first time I've been to Barrett Madness, and um, I'd heard a lot about it, and. Uh, you know, you see online when Barrow Madness is, is sort of, you know, a week or a couple of weeks out, a lot of hype around it and everything. But uh, I've got to say, it definitely lived up to, its, uh, you know, its reputation. It was it was a great day. You know, it was, um, you know, definitely an action-packed day. There were a lot of sessions going on, running various streams, running at the same time. Uh, but a real good buzz there as well. You know, a lot of people, the people there were definitely um, very much, you know, passionate about the technology. It was good. So, yeah, some really good conversations with with, with folks there. Uh, yeah, we had the EMC Labs happening. Uh, there as well, that was good. We had a room off to one side where we were uh, running various labs from, so that was good. Um, but yeah, yeah, all around a good day actually. Yeah, I had a good time there. Um, you know, I talked about um, VMware certifications, and I was a little concerned that people would, you know, most of the people I already know already, you know, most of them already have a VCP. Um, but I, I talked a lot about the VCP, and I had a packed room, and people asking me questions after, and they were just, you know, so enthusiastic about, you know, getting their VCP and. So uh, yeah, it was a very receptive audience. I was I was happy to see that and a good show. Yeah, yeah, it was a good session actually. I, I managed to break away to catch your session there actually. So I was standing up at the back of the room there. I don't know if you saw me, but uh, yeah, I was at the back there. It was definitely definitely a packed room, and uh, I thought it was good. Very very informative, you know. Um, very good, and it pretty much covered the whole range. You know, people wanting to get their first VMware certification right through to those, you know, wanting to get some of the, some of the uh, uh, more advanced accreditations. So uh, no, it was good. Good session. Yeah, yeah I was happy to have Jason Nash in the back of the room, too, um, when I did the VCDX uh, topic, because he, he was uh, answering questions about that as well. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. 
Uh, Eric, I'm sorry. What were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say. Speaking of Charlotte, we're uh, we'll be VMUG will be coming up there in about less than two weeks, so uh, I'll be attending that. That should be a really good large VMUG, and that there's a, a lot of well-known bloggers and community people are going to be there. Um, you know, Chris Colati will be there. Uh, Alan Renouf, um, I believe Scott Lowe is going to be there. Uh, William Lamb, I'll be there. As well, so that should be a good event. It's one of the regional VMUGs, so it's one of those bigger VMUGs. And um, you know, every year VMware puts on these regional VMUGs. I think they typically kick off in March and go to about the the end of the year. And they're like uh, VMUGs on steroids. You know, there's a lot more sponsors, a lot more content, and you know, multiple tracks. And um, they're just overall great events. I've been to um, two already this year, and then I'll be hitting a bunch more in that. And um, just a really good event to just, you know, go mingle with all the people, um, see all the sessions. There's a lot of VMware sessions and that that they give. They actually started off with one track of VMware sessions and that. So they had um, four VMware sessions that you can choose from, and they've broken it down into two now. So now there's two time slots where you can get VMware sessions at. So so between all the sponsor sessions, you'll have uh, other opportunities to see VMware sessions as well. And there's some really good speakers, really technical topics in that. So um, you can really learn a lot of these events and that. And, you know, talk and interact with the vendors. Typically they have at least 30 vendors on display in the uh, kind of solutions area and that. So... Um, really fun events, and you know, if you haven't gone to one, I encourage you to go to the myvmug.org um, page, and you click on conferences, and then not the local meetings, but the I think it's called the, the user conferences or the regional conferences, and you can see the list of the ones that are um, upcoming. Yeah, um, I went to the yeah, Charlotte user group, the, the regional one, uh, the last couple years, and it's always great. I mean, I think they have between 800 and 1,000 people there. I mean, it's like a mini VMworld. And uh, I'm speaking at the Central Ohio Regional User Group um, in May, and uh, I've never been to that in, in Columbus there, where Veeam's headquarters is, and I've been offered a tour of uh, Veeam headquarters by uh, Rick Vanover, Rigatron. And uh, so, yeah, that should be fun as well. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, so that's um, Yeah, it should be good. So. Yeah, there's um, the expert. Right. I'm just going to say. Oh, God. <laughs> it's okay. Gotta love that leg. <laughs> Where you go, Eric. <laughs> so yeah, um, they, they range in size. You know, anywhere from um, you know some of the smaller ones are maybe three to four hundred people. Um, the biggest one in the U.S. is always the uh, Indianapolis VMUG, which I believe is in July, and that. So um, that one, I guess, it pulls from a pretty broad area in that in that region, and that. So that's always there. They say um, at least a thousand people at that VMUG, and that. The ones I went to, I went to South Florida already, and you know that was pretty small. There, they had maybe three to four hundred people. Uh, I went to Silicon Valley. They had uh, Stephen Harrod there doing the keynote. Uh, Mike Laverick was there. Um, he also did another keynote, and um, we had just, I think, over 500 people at that one. So really varies, um, you know, based on the region it's at and, um, you know, the attendance at that and you know, how big they get. You know, some of the bigger ones, you get some of the bigger-name speakers, kind of the, the super speakers, you know, like um, Chad's or, or Scott's or, you know, Scott Her- or, um, Steve Herod and that. So, um, but, you know, they're definitely worth checking out regardless of the size because there is a lot of content there. Yeah, definitely. I think the New England, uh, the New England theme might supposed to be pretty sizable as well. I've never quite made it uh, across to that, but I know that's 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 a good old size as well on the east coast there. Yeah, definitely. That'd be another good one to hit. My, my local VMUG I've got coming up uh, would be the London VMUG, so that's 17th of May. So anyone UK based uh, listening to this or watching this, um, yeah, definitely head down there. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I, I won't make it this month because uh, flying out to um, Vegas a couple of days ahead of time to set things up. But uh, it, it's uh, I've seen the lineup; should be should be quite a good one. 
And there is a regional one coming to the UK, and I believe it's in November. Um, I know HP is a sponsor of that, and that might be one I actually come out there for. So, um, so they're they're definitely not just in the US. The regionals they are actually spread across uh, the whole world. Yeah, definitely, man. You have to come on over. We um, did the first regional one in the UK here last year, uh, up in uh, Birmingham. No, that, that was definitely a success. It was pretty good. Um, had some good speakers there. And, uh, yeah, it was good. Also, these, these, these events are very good sort of networking opportunities as well, you know, to uh, catch up with people. Maybe people you've spoken to only online before now. Uh, so, yeah, definitely, definitely worth getting along to. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, Simon, tell us about uh, EMC World. It's coming up, right? Yeah, not far off now. Um, the clock's ticking. <laughs> We've got a lot of stuff to, uh, to get done before then, but we'll, we'll definitely do it. We're, we're on schedule, so that's that's a good sign. So, uh, yeah, so I'm involved with the um, preparation work around the uh, the hands-on labs there. So we've got a 200-seat hands-on lab environment there, pretty much covering any EMC products. So uh, anyone out there going along to that who wants to uh, try out some EMC products, uh, whether you're an existing EMC customer or not, uh, we've pretty much got every every product covered. The great thing as well, we've been working very closely with the, uh, the business units within the EMC and they've been very supportive around um, providing uh, virtualized instances of their products. So pretty much, uh, you know, when you come along, the, the, the vast majority of the labs, when you sit down, are actually running virtualized instances of everything, you know, from our storage products right through to our, um, our backup, our deduplication products, uh, you know, and, and, and what have you. So, uh, you know, we've even got a uh, virtualized instance of the, uh, the big old VMAX there as well. So, so, um, so uh, it's pretty good. Obviously, this is non-commercial stuff. It's not, you know, um, you know, it's not for retail or for, for commercial use at all. They're literally, uh, you know, it's just for lab purposes only. But obviously, you know, it's very good from from a training perspective and for people to come along and, uh, you know, really just, you know, kick the tires on on, on any of these products. Because um, as you can imagine, a 200 seat environment potentially, you could have 200 people come along and want to sit. Uh, you know, a single lab, for example, a VMAX lab, and you can imagine having to have an environment with 200 VMAXs uh, or, you know, VNXs or something similar sitting on the back end spun up. Uh, so that's why virtualization really comes in its, into its own for, for events like this. But, uh, yeah, but apparently the um, uh, the amount of uh, people attending um, got pretty good numbers this year, so it uh, should, should prove to be a, be a good event. So uh, no, really looking forward to it. Back out in Vegas again as well. So uh, yeah. haven't been to Vegas since uh, trying to think. I think probably since EMC World last year, actually. Uh, there's been a few other events out there which I couldn't make it to, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, Vegas is always an interesting one to go and visit. So um, yeah. So anyone uh, anyone heading out to EMC World, swing past the labs, come and say hi. But, uh, love to meet you and uh, catch up. Might, might try and sneak in a VBS whilst we're over there as well. Sounds cool. Uh, Eric, what about EMC or uh, HP Discover? Yeah, it's coming What's up that? as well. That's uh, in the first week of June. I believe it's June 4th through 7th, and that, again, is uh, Las Vegas. That's a place I've been to uh, more than I wanted to in the last few months. And um, so it's going to be a you know, really good event, uh, a lot of stuff there in that. I'll, I'll be speaking and presenting at two different sessions. Um, one will actually be a panel, kind of a Ask the Expert session on uh, storage for virtualization and that. So if you're going to HP Discover, um, you know, be sure and swing by and uh, register for that one and attend that. And, um, yeah. You know, it's typically they're they're pretty big events. We get I think just over last year it was over ten thousand people at at that one, and um, you see a lot of the H, you know latest HP gear, the new Gen eight servers, and things like that, and um, uh, hands on labs and, and all that. So it should be a real good event. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about announcements. Were there any big announcements? Were, uh, EMC World, obviously, we, we always keep a few back for a few biggies for, uh, for EMC World. So we've got some big announcements coming. But I was wondering, uh, you guys, HP Discovery, same thing? I'm not sure, actually. I haven't been too plugged into that part of it and that. I've been kind of working on the session planning and that. But as far as announcement-wise, I'm not sure what they, they plan on, for, on that. I'm sure they'll have some. Yeah. Well, the Gen 8 servers... That'll be good to have a, have a look at the Gen 8 servers. Yeah, that stuff looks pretty cool, actually. I'm waiting to, to kind of see that in person. There'll be a lot of stuff there and that, that uh, get my hands on that stuff. That looks like pretty cool tech. Yeah, might be able to take home a few, uh, a few, uh, a few giveaways, right? A few server giveaways, a few demos yeah. for your home lab. <laughs> Wish they'd come out with a Gen 8 microserver. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing new on that front at all. Um, I am hearing rumors, but uh, nothing substantiated at the moment, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, I got I got two of those those microservers. We did do a, a a processor bump on on a few months back, so basically the same unit, but they they ump the CPU speed on it a little bit and that. So, um, so great little servers. You know, I I really enjoy you know the great form factor. Small, they don't take up a lot of power. Um, they do hold a lot of drives. You know, from memory capacity standpoint, you don't get a lot there or CPU, but it's great for doing basic stuff and uh, it works real well for me in that. I'm not running huge workloads in my environment, so. Um, so I, I really enjoy using those in my lab. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely pretty good. I think you definitely need to have sort of some sort of um, additional storage device to to run your VMs off of. Yeah. Uh, my experience with them trying to run VMs locally off that uh, off the uh, onboard storage controller pretty pretty slow, but uh, the, you know the rest of it's fine. And uh, to be honest, the majority of people anyway sort of uh, you know generally have a small storage NAS or something kicking around in their labs anyway. So. Uh, yeah, but yeah. that said, even if you do run them locally, it's still usable. You just can't run as many VMs uh, just because the uh, the controller starts to bottleneck after a while. Yeah, um, I got the, the iOmega, the the PX, and um, a Synology in my unit, so those are great to offload that stuff. And um, you know, great small little units where you can, uh, I'd say, almost a must-have in a lab. Just get one of those little, even if it's a two-drive unit. You still get the benefit of shared storage. You can use things like the, the iSCSI NFS on those and that. Um, and um, you know, be able to experience all those features that require shared storage in vSphere. Mm. I've seen some people buy their microserver and actually uh, use that. But what they do is, because over here in the UK, they're still going for about a hundred pounds. You know, so they're still pretty oh, good with the rebate. Um, but I've seen people just buy a couple of, uh, well, three three microservers and use one of them as a, uh, for example, like an OpenFire yeah. three NAS box, yeah, and they holds. just uh, use software RAID across the uh, across the disks. Uh, I think there's four drives you can put in that, so you can get pretty good capacity. Yeah, yeah, four drives. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah I've been looking for something to run um, Hyper-V3 on. Uh, what's the maximum amount of memory you can put in a microserver? I think it's eight, right? Uh, eight gigs. Yeah. Eight gigs? Yeah, so, so it's a little bit limited um, in, in that respect. Um, yeah, it'd be kind of nice if they brought out a uh, sort of like a, an Uber version, as it were, but... Uh, you know, similar to the 110s where you could get 16 gigs into that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely with my, my uh, I've got an ML 110 G6, I've got G7 in there as well. And uh, what I started doing was actually just mucking around, was starting to use a few of the um, VSAs, virtual storage appliances, actually on the box itself. Um, so not so good on the microservers. The 110s, um, a little bit better performance-wise. Um, but, yeah, you still can't be having a standalone uh, Standalone NAS or SAN device, you know, little entry level type thing. Yeah, the 110s get you that that more memory capacity up to 16 gig. That's what I got two of those as well, and that and they, they get you more expansion too. You could put more cards and NICs in it, stuff like that. I got I think six NICs 
total with my my dual ports in mine and that. So it's a great, and it's it's not that much more. You know, I think here in the U.S. Uh, the micro server is around 350, and you can get an ML110 for about another 100, 150 more. Um, and then to make the jump up to the greater capacity is like the ML150 and that where you can, I think it holds a lot more RAM, um, actually dual physical sockets for CPUs and things like that. And that one's actually on the vSphere um, compatibility list. So if you want something that's officially supported, that one's there. So, and that's not only, I think maybe another 200 more over the ML110. So it's going for about 700 bucks and that. So they're all great lab servers and that, that you want something cheap. Um, you want something that supports all the features in vSphere and that, you know, there's a couple options there to choose from. Yeah, yeah. I've had a, I've had a bit of a, um, I don't know. I've had an urge to go out and buy another, build another, uh, build another white box. Um, not for my vSphere environment, but more for, um, more for my, uh, my uh, main desktop here. So it's about three years, three four years old now, and uh, it's okay, but it doesn't quite cut it when it comes to, yeah, uh, uh, you know, sort of um, video transcoding things like that. So uh, that's going to be my next little project, I think. Yeah, I just actually did that with uh, Diablo 3 coming out in uh, like, uh, less than two weeks now. I wanted my, my super computer and that. So I went out, went to Micro Center, but all the parts, uh, the latest i7, the, the big i7, they had the 2600 CPU loaded up with the fast RAM, SSD drives, the whole works and that. So I'm set for Diablo 3, super fast video card and that. And uh, so I'm waiting. And it would make a great box as well for using workstation on got a lot of ram in it fast cpu you know a total of eight cores and that and um so you know if you don't want to do the server route you know doing things like using workstation or just playing white box with mm-hmm. esxi installed directly on it that's another good option as well um you know usually i typically find that the cost is pretty almost even as buying a fully configured server in a lot of cases you get sometimes be able to get a little bit cheaper out of a white box um but the white boxes can sometimes be a bit of a challenge to, you know, assemble all the parts that, you know, they're going to work and be compatible and all that. So uh, I've kind of gone back and forth over the years. I've kind of just stuck with the server just to avoid the hassle of, you know, and I know the server is going to work rather than the white box. It could take some, you know, a lot of work to get that going sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. There's definitely two schools of thoughts there, isn't there? There's people that prefer to run sort of, you know, almost dedicated small entry level servers or, you know, storage appliances versus those folks that like to have a single white box and just run, uh, virtualized, um, you know, ESX instances and nested VMs under workstation. Um, the, the only downside with that, I guess, is the benefit of having your own dedicated service to do stuff. At least you can just leave it turned on. Whereas if you're wanting to do something in the background, uh, for example, let's say you're in Photoshop or you were doing some video editing or transcoding or something like that, it could affect your VMs that are running in the background. That's the only downside. But definitely from a power user standpoint, you know, I can definitely see the benefits of running everything on a single box. Um, you know, it probably, like you say, would work out cheaper as well, less components to buy, uh, albeit yeah. probably uh, faster and you know, more memory, etc. But uh, yeah, cool stuff. Um, in my lab, I've been, I've got a Synology 2, uh, just like Eric has. I've got a DS211 Plus. Okay. Um, I've really been impressed with the, is that what, okay. I've been impressed with the interface and all the things you can do with it. I mean, I turned it into a VPN server, so I can VPN from my iPad now, like while I'm at Starbucks and, oh, cool. you know, access the home network. Yeah, and you can even load like WordPress on it. I mean, it can, this little Synology can do all this kind of crazy stuff I wouldn't expect. Um, it's got nice performance charts, so you can see utilization and such. But um, yeah, I've been impressed with it. I'm also I've got a Drobo on the way. I'm going to be evaluating, so I'm excited oh, cool. to to see what kind of performance. Yeah, that's that's going to offer. 
Um, they've got some pretty cool stuff. They're be, you know, beyond raid and all this where you can mix and match different size drives and you don't have to configure specific raid, you know, types. Um, so it's, it's an interesting concept. But, uh, yeah, I've been, I really didn't realize how much data I had until I tried to move it. You know, uh, I've got like a terabyte of virtual machines and okay. you know, 500 gigs of just junk. And then you try to copy it, you know, from one NAS to the other, and it's like, you know, 12 hours, you know, yeah. or something. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if they, cool uh, stuff. If they support USB 3, it almost kind of works out better in that if you can. I know the, the PX that I have here has a USB 3 port, so you could copy to a USB okay. 3 drive. Um, and, that, you know, I got a, a removable uh, Western Digital USB 3 drive. I could plug in and copy data, and then you could plug it into the other one and probably get it faster that way than dragging over the network and that. Um, that's a analogy I've always been impressed with is because they have a robust feature set that's across all their products and that. So no matter what product, if you go down to the even simple two drive all the way up to the bigger units, you get the same features functionality across all their units. And, you know, like you said, it, it covers pretty much, it's a, it's a whole toolkit of different protocols, different features. You want to run security cameras. It's got all that type of features. Um, all the protocol support has all that built in and that. So I was pretty impressed with those units as well. Yeah, it could be a mail server even. Yeah, pretty crazy. yeah, it's pretty robust. But um, yeah, I've never used uh, never used a Synology myself. I've got uh, in, in the labs here. I've got a a, a um, an IX. I've got a PX as well. iMegas, and uh, I've got a um, um, oh, what what's the other one I've got now? Sorry, I haven't used it for, for a while now, but I've got a Drobo as well. I've got a Drobo Pro. Um, getting a little bit longer in the tooth now, but that, that was a good good device for just basic iSCSI stuff as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but, but uh, the Synologies, yeah, they always look good as well. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys have heard about um, a conference called um, uh, V-Science. Um, it's it's more of a workshop uh, that uh, Edward Halecki's putting on. Oh, really? And he's got... Um, yeah, he's got uh, Scott Lowe is going to be one of the speakers. I'm going to be one of the speakers. Cody Bunch. Uh, he's got a few other people, and it's supposed to be like a small conference with, um, you know, more of in a workshop format where the attendees actually start out and they'll do a two-hour like deep dive on, you know, vSphere inner workings, and then a two-hour deep dive on uh, cloud and automation, then on networking, then on storage, and they're supposed to they'll, they'll have like a case study where throughout the day actually a two-day conference, they build up, you know, their sort of design. It's like their job to use this case study, whatever, to sort of do homework um, after each session and during the sessions and at night. Then they'll have access to lab gear. And at the end, they sort of have to turn in their homework, and we have like a big group discussion um, with a panel and, and stuff. So uh, it's an interesting concept. Uh, it's called V-Science. It's in uh, end of July down in Austin, Texas. Oh, wow. So, um, wow. That sounds cool. That sounds pretty cool. It sounds like a lot of work, but uh, it sounds yeah, very, very good. And, yeah. and equipment, too. Yeah, yeah. it's also supposed yeah. to be unbiased, you know, so um, okay. it's not just v, it's not just VMware. It's supposed to be, you know, any sort of virtualization and cloud technology. So I'll be talking about, I'll be doing a deep dive on virtualization networking. So that means I have to start brushing up on, you know, all forms of, you know, virtual networking, not just, you know, what vSphere does. So interesting stuff. And uh, the word, yeah, the word science here, is that just uh, kind of to imply that it's more <laughs> of a technical type of thing? Yeah, that it's more of a deep dive. It's not a you know, product marketing type thing. Okay. Yeah. So it's not yeah. the typical. That's good. It's, it's, 
stuff you'd get at, you know, like a regular conference. Right, right. Well, it's good to have it, um, the hypervisor neutral as well, so uh, that would be interesting. I mean, I'm guessing the majority of people coming along will probably do a case study or, you know, base theirs on, uh, on, on VMware, but uh, no, it's good to see that, you know, hopefully there'll be a few more of the other people were looking at the other vendors, you know, just just, just for a bit of uh, quality across it. Um, makes it interesting as well because, you know, quite often it's hard to keep up what the uh, what all the other vendors are doing with their hypervisor offerings as well. So it's quite good talking to other people that are perhaps using it or looking at using it. So uh, I think it gives you a better, better balanced view on, on everything and features and functions available, you know. It'll be interesting, too, because there's not going to be any sponsors except for uh, Rackspace, I think, who's providing the lab equipment. Oh, okay. But, um, other than that, it'll be strange to be at a conference with no sponsors, you know? Okay, yeah. So, well, be, it's good, too, a lot of times. You don't have to, the overhead yeah. of all the sponsor stuff that typically, you know, the sponsors have to provide because they're paying for the conference and that. So um, this right. cuts, kind of cuts that out once you get straight to the meet and um, be able to, you know, jump into that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, how yeah. does it work? Uh, do you have to pay to attend, or is it free to attend? I imagine you have no, to pay you have something. to pay to attend, yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know the cost. It's under... Two thousands between a thousand and two thousand. I don't know the exact price, and it varies, a, of course, based on when you register and stuff. Is there a website or something associated with it? Yeah, I think it's uh, vscienceLLC.com. Okay. You can just Google vscience, and, uh, okay. and you'll find it. Okay, so. let's have a look. So let's move on. Let's talk about uh, the expert 2012. Uh, congratulations, guys! I heard you've been awarded the experts. Yeah, I've heard that too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a surprise. Um, yeah, another year. I guess we don't need to do an award show with John. Yep. He could list every V expert. Now that might be a long show, <laughs> but uh, like a twelve-hour show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think what but close to five hundred this year, between four and five hundred, I think. Really? Yeah, that's what I had thought. And well, yeah, this was, is the fourth year. And that, so um, it's, I think it's steadily, that first year I think it was under 300 and that, and they've kind of kept it around that, and they changed the criteria this year, so now um, VMware employees can actually be eligible, where in previous years um, VMware employees were not eligible to be, be a V expert in that, so that's changed, and you can now, um, you know, we got that kind of, because a lot of those people operate independently of their, their role at VMware and that, that, you know, like look at Duncan on his website, and some of the other guys have their own websites that they run independent of VMware. And that so, um, so that gives them kind of that recognition that you know pre previously they weren't um, able to get because you know all those VMware employees were locked out of that program. Yeah. So were you guys? Um, I think there's like three different types, three or four different types now. Um, evangelist and and different forms of the expert. Is that right? Yeah, evangelist or evangelist uh, partner, and I think one other. I can't remember what it was. It should be the Angelus. Yeah, I think yeah. that was, was that more during the uh, nomination process? Because I think, I don't know, yeah. actually, I, I haven't seen the final list yet, but have they split the final list out into categories? No, and they won't. It, it was at, on the, on the uh, application, you got to pick essentially the track that you felt yourself were, were kind of fit, but it's they're not splitting it out publicly in that. It's only for their internal thing and in that they won't actually show it differently I on the website. Say. Everybody's a V expert regardless of, you know, what kind of t area that they fit in. So um, they may expand that out. Oh, yeah, I know, see further. the list now. Yeah, the directory. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a directory on VMware's website that, that lists everybody there, a public directory. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's got your VMTN username and Twitter handle. Yeah. Um, and they'll have a, a better directory, or they have a directory, right? They do. It's, it's got all the basic information yeah. that each person has to go in and actually fill out, you know, kind of their background, their bio information about themselves, some contact info if they wish and that. So um, it allows people that, you know, outside of the expert group to be able, you know, if they want to maybe contact or see people in their area and that you can kind of go in there and just browse through just to see who, um, you know, exactly is a expert. Good stuff. No, but congratulations to everyone that's made it, and especially those people that made it for the first year this time as, as well. That's uh, good on you. Yeah, there was a lot of new people. I, I saw that spreadsheet that listed the um, all the people, and it listed the years previously in that, and I saw a lot in there that were new for the first time this year. And that I know they've kind of changed the criteria across years in that, um, and you know, that's changed a little bit. So they've tried to open it up a little bit more, um, both open it up and get a little bit more restrictive at the same time. And that so, um, but they have kind of broadened the group now, and it, it is over 400 now, so it is a bigger bunch. Yeah, if you want some uh, interesting stats on that, so Tommy Trogdon, who runs the uh, VTEX website, he uh, obviously had too much too much time on his hands one weekend or one evening, so he went through and he actually, um, I think, loaded a lot of the, the details into a spreadsheet or at least did something with it. So he's got all these. Uh, if you check out his site, search for the particular blog post on it, but he, he did a load of um, statistics. So you know how many V uh, sorry how many uh, V experts didn't make it from you know from last year that made okay. it this year how many uh, V experts there's been that have um, uh, managed to you know uh, continue to hold on to the title from 2009 on through okay. um, all sorts of like really weird oh, cool. and wonderful different stats based off the uh, the last three or so years of uh, the V experts so um, yeah oh, definitely cool. check that out it's, uh, it's an interesting read yeah pretty good. And speaking of uh, uh, blogs and websites, I, I finally got my V Launchpad updated in that. That's uh, with the whole uh, all the winners that we announced previously in that. Um, instead of just identifying the top 25, I expanded it out to the top 50 now. So you can there's just so many. There's over 200 um, blogs now that you know. I figured just displaying 25, you know, opening up to 50 gives you you know a bit more. Um, and it can fit a lot more blogs in there and, and give a lot more, lot more recognition that way. Um, so all that's updated in that. It's, uh, it's always a challenge to update that thing. It's a painful process for me. I have to cut and paste all these things in alphabetical order and rearrange things in that. So it takes a lot of work, but it's all up to date. And um, just go to the, the vpad.com. You can see all that there. Cool. And then you also have, what, top 25 blogs? Is there a website? or I know there's a Twitter handle. Yeah, there's a the planet I have that's an aggregator of all those blogs, and I gotta actually put the the top 50 in there now. It's only the top 25 currently in that. Um, that is, um, if you just go to the the vpad.com, there's a link for it there. I think it's called it's just at feed.vsphereland.com as well, and that basically you can actually follow that as well. So if you want to see all the new blog posts that come up as, as people write them, they're all they're all tweeted out. So if you just follow that account. Um, there's a link when you go to that website. You can follow it and be updated, or you can use RSS to, to follow that website and see somewhere to the planet um, B12N, but this one just focuses on the top bloggers and, and not everything as a whole. Cool, cool. So um, lately, I just, I'll just give you guys an update on what I've been working on. I um, completed my vCloud Director Essentials course uh, for TrainSignal oh, cool. here. And, um I I saw that announced the other day. Yeah, yeah. Quite interested in that, actually. We're dealing a lot with uh, vCloud Director with the labs, so we're, we're using uh, 1.5 um, 
for the MC hands-on labs this year, and uh, yeah, it's 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 been interesting actually. I quite like it as a product actually. I was a bit skeptical initially, but uh, it, it's yeah, I definitely see the value and the power of it. You know, when you really start using it, it's uh, it is amazing what it can do. I mean, like any products, it's got its you know, it's got a few quirks and what have you that you soon get used to. But uh, yeah, I've been really impressed with it actually. Um, so yeah, at some stage I would, wouldn't mind checking that out actually, sort of uh, filling the gaps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's. I, I was impressed with it as a product as well. I mean, I also have to, you know, try to caution people that it's, you know, it's probably not a product that every shop needs at this point. Um, it's not for everyone, but it, it is something that probably every VMware admin needs to learn about or, you know, get started learning about. So um, it, it's it really is a, you know, an impressive cloud product. And I have to also remember it's still at version 1.51. I think it's the latest. So it's like three three revisions so far. So uh, I think they've got a long way to go. And then uh, Jason Nash of ECDX, he released a vSphere Advanced Networking uh, oh, course cool. from TrainSignal. So it's like kind of That's a deep dive cool. into vSphere Networking. Yeah, I want to check that out. Of course, we released Vue 5, um, but now Vue 5.1 came out. Uh, so we need a slight update <laughs> there. But it's never ending. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I'm proud to say that uh, EMC's Scott Lowe is working on a vSphere 5 design course for us. It should be out in the next few months. Oh, that'd be cool. So uh, I think that's going to yeah, be really popular. I've been listening to some of his lessons, and I've actually learned a lot. And you know, I want to use that knowledge to go take my, my DCD. Um, but, it's it, yeah, it's a really cool course. He's a smart guy, very smart guy. Oh, cool. Look forward to seeing yeah, that look one. forward to that. Actually, DCD is probably going to be the next one I go for, I think, if possible, you know, when I get time. But, uh, yeah, no, I look forward to that. You guys are getting some pretty good titles titles in there now. Um you know, pretty much covering the whole gambit. You know, everyone from the beginners right through to the more more, more advanced stuff. So that uh, no, no, looks really good. Yeah, trying to trying to keep the topics you know flowing. There's just so many things to talk about, new products all the time. Uh, people have been asking about um, VCOPS, you know, training, yeah. um, VCenter oh, yeah. operations. Yeah, and I'm writing an article on I think it's called what VCenter Infrastructure Navigator, which is like a an additional piece on on top of VCOPS that does application inspection in inside of uh, you know virtual machines. Uh, so you know I've been learning about that a lot of just so many new products from VMware all yeah. the time. Tough to keep up. Uh, yeah, I heard they're it's doing a keep public. Busy. Yeah, I heard they're doing a public beta of um, uh, Octopus. I haven't, yeah. although I went to the website and you oh, couldn't yeah. download Octopus. Oh really? Okay. But the, I guess they soon will have one. The Dropbox, so, like interesting. Yeah, technology. yeah, yeah. Dropbox. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen in that space? It's actually got very competitive recently. Actually, um, so Microsoft with their SkyDrive, they've they've basically revamped that. They've got a new pricing model out around it. So they've got a um, a client for the uh, for the iPad and iPhone now, um, which sort of coincided a lot of those releases with Google also announcing their sort of. Um, Dropbox looky likey product, um, so it's definitely hotting up in that space now. And obviously with VMware coming in with Octopus, uh, but further down the track, it's uh, I think I think a lot of these companies see the value of it now. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still an avid uh, Dropbox user myself. Uh, Same here. And uh, yeah, definitely a good product. I, I really find no reason to leave Dropbox. I like all the functionality. Um, it would be nice if it was priced a little bit 
cheaper, I think, with these other players out now um, that may drive the pricing down And that. Um, I got the 50-gig level right now. I'd like to have more, but it's uh, double the price to go from 50 to 100. So, um, But, you know, it's good that there's a lot of more competition there. And, you know, the, the Octopus one is going to be more focused on the enterprise, where Dropbox initially was focused on consumer, and I think it kind of migrated to the enterprise. I've seen some... Um, you know, when I've had to like transfer data up to iOmega or something like that, they have a uh, their own kind of Dropbox dedicated site. So, um, so yeah, it's good. There's a lot of choices now in that, and um, you know, a lot of competition in that space. Yeah, yeah. Definitely around pricing. Um, I was just going to say, I'm interested in. Um, I saw a new product. It's actually an iPad app called Cloud On, and um, it it interfaces with your Dropbox account. So what Cloud On does is it gives you. Um, basically a, a Microsoft Office suite. I mean, it's the real, like, Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. So you can edit those types of documents, but it interfaces with Dropbox. So you give it your Dropbox credentials, and it it shows the, your directory in Dropbox, and that's where it's storing all your files. So the files stay in Dropbox, but you're editing them on an iPad with your Office apps. Um, so it's it's pretty cool, actually. I've been trying to turn my iPad into a, like a laptop replacement, so I got the yeah. <laughs> the Zagfolio uh, keyboard, the Bluetooth keyboard here, okay. and uh, so I've got cloud got on. And cool. as long as I have internet access, I can you know access all my Dropbox um, files and then edit them with you know Word and Excel, and it works pretty well. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, looks good. Nice looking keyboard. Oh yeah, thanks. There's there's also um, another one. Um, called online des- desktop, where it's actually a, a virtual desktop subscription service. So you pay like five bucks a month, and you get like a full desktop with oh, Internet like Explorer and everything. Rent a VDI. Exactly, like rent a VDI, and it's it's got the tablet extensions, I guess, loaded in Windows. So you know, it's it's easier to tap and stuff instead of just like using um, you know Wise Pocket Cloud, let's say. Okay. Um, but yeah, some interesting interesting stuff. I, I'm hoping to one day go like 100%, you know, software as a service, and not have any applications local, and you know, get a new laptop, and it's just you know, all on the in the cloud somewhere. Yeah, but you gotta be always always connected. Yeah, that's pretty though. good. Can't use it in an airplane or yeah. Yeah, that's the only downside. Uh, that's a great idea. And to lose internet connectivity, that's the only problem. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> These days, I mean, does that happen? You know? Yeah, I mean, but the Dropbox client, like, even, you know, on the iPad is really easy. You just go in and you mark yeah. stuff, you know, favorites, and it stores it offline and downloads yeah. it. Yep. So I'm on the plane, and I can read it like that, and um, so. Yeah, interesting. Cool. We'll see. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've been, um, I was over in the States, uh, well, oh, God, quite a bit recently with the, with the project, but, uh, yeah, I've been really tempted many, on many occasions, especially going through duty free to pick up an iPad 3, but I still can't justify it. I'm still running an iPad 1 at the moment, and it's fine. I mean, it does what I want it to do. It's starting to get a bit slow now. Every software update they bring out, you know, they're, they're slowing it up more and more, so it will get to the point where it'd be unusable, but, uh, you know, it's still hanging in there for the time being. I just, I just can't justify the expenditure, unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, I like the idea of the new screen on that. That looks pretty slick. One thing for me would be the more memory to store stuff at. I'm at 16 gig, and I always fill that up. So I'd like to get up to 32. So that, that'd be my main driver for upgrading to a new one is, is space. And the other stuff is nice to have, but to me it's not really a must-have. Mm. I think yeah, 30, I uh, 32 is the sweet spot. Yeah. 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 I just bought uh, iMovie and iPhoto for the iPad. 
because I wanted to try out, you know, how can can you really edit movies and and fix up photos, you know, on an iPad? So I've still got the iPad too. I don't have the three, but okay. I'm interested to see, you know, just how useful can this device be with these new applications? Huh. Yeah, it was interesting the reports back here hearing about the uh, the iPad three after you know it's pretty extreme use. But tell you what, you go into your Apple store. So those iPad threes that are sitting in there on the demos, they've been on there all day. So uh, you know there's a whole thing about about them running so hot. You know, and it's interesting. So I went into it. I've been into a couple of Apple stores now, and you pick them up and fill the back, and it's interesting. They do definitely run significantly hotter. I mean, admittedly these ones are on probably what you know. 15, 16 hours a day, perhaps, but uh, you know, even still, the iPad one, even running it for that long, you know, that extended period of time, I've never remember it running quite that hot. Uh, so that's yeah, it's, it's because of that that hands retina display. They got to push a lot more CPU power to power that thing, so that really drives that the heat up and the CPU usage up when when they're when they're doing that. So, and that's why they had to really yeah. expand the battery on that one that. was because they were going to use so much more power. They made the battery a lot bigger. On that one, to, to be able to not drop in, in battery time. So, yeah, yeah, for average use, so I don't see it being a big deal at all. Even if it does get a little bit warm, it's uh, you know it's going to be useful in winter. Keep your hands warm. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold <laughs> winter nights. Heat the room up. Bring it yeah, right I just out. love it for travel. <laughs> I mean, the battery life, you know, on a plane, and um, even yeah. my you know my brand new laptop, the battery still. Even though it says six hours, it still lasts around two. So, uh, you know, when you take a long plane ride, to me, the iPad is just such a great uh, productivity tool with long battery life. Totally. Yep. I, so, I bring yeah, mine on yeah. the airplane. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. My MacBook Pro lasts about an hour and a half. Hour and a half to two hours, depending on what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to when the. Um, it's interesting. I, I was, I, oh god, this was last year sometime, but I flew. I think it was United. It was one of their newer planes from the uh, UK to the US, and it was interesting. You know, I was flying economy as I always do, but uh, you know, in the seat there, they actually had a um, proper power plug in economy seats. Oh wow! So I'd imagine Sorry. going forward, hopefully, with everyone sort of having this dependence on electronic devices and having to keep them charged. I'm kind of hoping some of the other airlines, you know, uh, such as BA or Virgin, you know, when they when they refresh their uh, their fleet or do the upgrades, oh, interior cool. fit-outs again, they're uh, they'll put in the seats. So, yeah. on longer flights or uh, turn around to juice. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's cool. So um, one thing I've got to mention, though, guys, I, I think you could be related. you got matching T-shirts there. We do. We're both uh, yeah. Yeah. nerds. Very cool. <laughs> Pair of yeah, we're, still, we're almost out of them. I think the train signal finally. I think we've almost run out of you know V-nerd shirts. So now ah. these will be limited edition, yep. you know, unavailable any longer <laughs> until a new shirt comes out in 2012 at VMworld. Cool. Um, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Collector's yeah. item. They'll be selling on eBay for thousands. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, um, well, this has been a great V-Chat, guys. Um, yeah. hey, Eric, anything else to add? No, I'm, I'm good. All right. Simon? No, and that's pretty much everything for me. I've got to head out and take the dog for a quick walk now. So, uh, you have a great filming to you guys. And, um, yeah, I hope, I hope we get to do it uh, sometime soon. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. In our next V-Chat, we'll have to talk about, you know, EMC World and HP Discover and, you know, some other conferences, and yeah, who knows, you know, VMware oh. will probably have a new product out by then. So, um, yeah, it'll be exciting. Stay tuned. All right. See you guys. All right. Fun. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank you for watching this episode of VChat, the latest in virtualization and cloud computing news and how-to. 
Eric, Simon, and David want your feedback, so send questions or ideas for future VChat topics to vchat at trainsignal.com. Thank you.